The mission of the American Academy of Physician Assistants is to promote quality, cost-effective, and accessible health care, as well as the professional development of the physician assistant. Welcome to the Clinician's Roundtable. I'm Lisa DeAndre Linnell, and joining me today is Bill Lineweber, the new Executive Vice President and Chief Executive Officer of the American Academy of Physician Assistants, the AAPA, to give us an update on the state of the AAPA and the goals for the future of the PA profession. Bill, welcome to ReachMD. It's a pleasure to have you on the show. Lisa, thank you for the opportunity. It's great to be with you and the listeners. Bill, the Academy is in its 40th year, and since you've come on board at the AAPA, many of the more vocal PAs feel that you are helping to provide a new face for the Academy in new times. Tell us about the state of the AAPA and your philosophy moving forward. Well, I arrived at the AAPA in mid-February of this year, February of 2008, and uh, upon arriving, began to do some assessment of internal infrastructure issues with the academy, looking at our personnel management systems, organizational structures, our information technology systems, communications, really everything from an operational standpoint, from nuts to bolts. And these really, the findings from all these assessments have really been a guidepost for a lot of the efforts we've been undertaking to strengthen the operations of the academy with a goal to be a more efficient, effective, and visible voice and presence for PAs throughout the country. Independent of that assessment phase of our work, we've been engaged in a very thorough strategic planning process, which has been led by the president of the AAPA, Cindy Lord, who is a PA that directs the PA program at Quinnipiac University, and we initiated that process shortly after I came on board in February, and the strategic planning process will come to fruition here in the next month or so. We've engaged about a little over 100 stakeholders, members, PA members, elected leaders of the academy, senior management, in drafting a three-year plan for the organization. And while it's not finalized, I can tell you that the the broad goals that will emanate from the plan will address where we want to move the academy over the next three years in terms of our advocacy efforts, in terms of research on the profession and the workforce that the profession represents, as well as the impact that PAs have on healthcare outcomes, goals that speak to extending our reach to our members, some marketing and branding goals, as well as revenue generation and constituent organization and constituent organization development. All this is, again, with the goal for us to really be able to fulfill our mission, which you stated at the beginning of the program, and to be the best organization we can be so that PAs can do what they do best, which is provide excellent health care. How well positioned is the profession to respond to today's health care provider shortage? I would say well positioned. As most of your listeners know, the profession in relative terms, is young. 1967 was when the first class of PAs graduated at Duke University. There were three PAs in that class, and today there are almost 74,000 clinically practicing PAs, and that's increasing fast. The number is growing. The number of PA programs across the country is now, I believe, at 142 programs, putting out about 4,800 graduates a year. The career is an attractive choice for individuals that have a desire to practice medicine. Uh, it pays well. Our latest research indicates that the median 
salary is about $89,000 a year. The average length of education for a PA is about 26 months, which in the spirit of the real genesis of the profession puts individuals into the practice of medicine much more quickly than medical school does. One of the big goals of the physician assistant field and movement is to extend the reach of medicine in a very efficient and an effective way. And certainly, we feel the profession is doing just that. Well, in addition to the projected shortage of primary health care professionals, there's also a demand for providers in other specialties. How are PAs meeting the increasingly diverse needs of the healthcare system in terms of their role in medical and surgical specialties? Well, you're right. There's a lot of discussion these days, both in the medical literature and the popular press regarding the shortage of primary care physicians today and the projected shortage moving forward. Similarly, there are shortages in in specialty fields in, in medicine as well. In the past, PAs put a lot of attention to serving the needs in primary care, particularly in underserved communities, rural communities, inner city communities, to really extend the reach of medicine where there were not physicians present to do so. The trend over the past decade shows that an increasing number of PAs are practicing in medical and surgical specialties, although I think it's important to point out that still about 35 to 37 percent of PAs still practice in primary care. The generalist model of PA education, we believe, provides a solid foundation for PAs to enter medicine in a variety of medical and surgical specialties. There's a strong foundation that offers flexibility of PAs in training, where they do multiple rotations across numerous areas in medicine, and allows new graduates to move quickly and easily into specialties. And really, as you know, Lisa, being a PA, that once graduated and successfully completing a PA program and being placed in a practice, there's very much an ongoing training and mentorship that goes on between a PA and his or her physician colleague, which really continues that training process. As the profession moves towards a more specially diverse practice distribution, the long existing controversy surrounding PA specialty certification is one that we're remaining in close dialogue and contact with the NCCPA about. This is a hot button issue, if you will, and the profession, the commission, and all of our partner organizations really committed to working together to see how we can best address this moving forward. If you're just joining us, you're listening to the Clinician's Roundtable. I'm Lisa DeAndre Linnell, and I'm speaking with Bill Lineweber, the new Executive Vice President and Chief Executive Officer of the American Academy of Physician Assistants. We're discussing the state of the AAPA and the goals for the future of the PA profession. Bill, what do this year's election outcomes mean for the work of the Academy and the PA profession? Well, first, certainly want to thank all of your listeners that voted for voting. Um, It was a a great and exciting time for the country and really a real moment in history for the nation. We have launched an initiative at the start of our annual conference at the end of May called PAs for a Healthy America that really encouraged PAs to learn all that they could about candidates for the office of president as well as their candidates for congressional and Senate seats in the localities and states that they represent. We look forward to working with the new administration in Congress 
We'll be in touch very soon with President-elect Obama and appropriate members of his transition team to, A, congratulate him and to articulate a desire of the Academy to be at the table working with the President-elect and his team of healthcare reform folks, because we believe both because we know what PAs are capable of providing in terms of health care. We're also encouraged by the responses that President-elect Obama provided to us at our request prior to the election. We reached out to both Senator Obama and Senator McCain and asked them to share their points of view relative to where PAs fit into the health care system broadly and how they would see PAs interfacing in their proposed health care reforms. We're encouraged by what we heard back from both candidates and certainly from President-elect Obama. We look forward to working with he and his administration. The principles that we have been promoting in terms of health care reform will be ones that we continue to promote, and those include access to quality, affordable, cost-effective health care, use of evidence-based medicine, physician-directed teams of healthcare providers, PAs, remain steadfast in our commitment to the healthcare team model with the physician leading the team, optimal utilization of primary care, an emphasis on health promotion and disease prevention, comprehensive medical liability reform, and lastly, but very importantly, payment mechanisms that are portable and sustainable. Going forward, what specifically is on the Academy's legislative agenda? A couple things that I think would be of interest to your listeners, certainly on the topic of expanding access to affordable health care, a central component of our mission is to promote quality and cost-effective and accessible health care. So we we favor reforming the nation's system to emphasize prevention and use of evidence-based medicine and portable financing. A huge issue, as you know, Lisa, in terms of prevention is that reimbursement systems in this country are not necessarily in their current state prevention friendly. We really reward and incentivize treating individuals once they present with sickness or illness or symptoms. We really would like to reverse that in part and incentivize prevention. Secondly, we're looking at ensuring access and continuity of care for Medicare beneficiaries. The Medicare law, we believe, should be changed to allow physicians to delegate to PAs the ability to order home health, hospice, and skilled nursing facility care, as well as to provide hospice care. This is becoming a growing issue with our aging population, and increasingly we see a lack of continuity of care, interruption in continuity of care, because PAs are not able to do this under current Medicare law. Thirdly, we want to acknowledge the value and role of federally employed PAs. Part of our legislative agenda is to promote legislation to place a full-time director of PA services in the Veterans Health Administration Central Office in Washington, D.C., so the PAs working in the VA system can be utilized to their fullest capacity as they care for our nation's veterans. The VA is the federal government's largest employer of PAs, and we believe really necessitates a full-time director of PA services. Lastly, we want to promote access to care in underserved communities. That really takes the profession back to its roots in terms of extending the reach of medicine into underserved communities. We have a long-standing commitment to practice in the nation's rural areas and underserved urban communities. We support legislation that strengthens the state children's health insurance program, Medicaid, rural health clinics, 
and other components of the safety net. So those are the main main issues on our legislative agenda. I would identify as a, a final issue, Lisa, in terms of our legislative agenda, working with the House and Senate Committee on Appropriations to develop uh, strong, robust, sustained levels of funding for the Public Health Service Act's Title VII health profession programs. Unfortunately, the legislation that was approved to establish the FY 2008 appropriations for the Department of Labor, Health, and Human Services and related agencies has not been sufficient to address the Title VII Health Professions Program's needs. We really need to grow support for the PA program components of Title VII, and we're committed to doing that. Bill, we look forward to your future leadership, and thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you very much. I'm Lisa DeAndre Linnell. And you've been listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD XM160, the channel for medical professionals. Please visit our website at ReachMD.com, which features our entire library through on-demand podcasts. And thanks for listening.